more tags, no tags. Jordan Malone, and thanks so much for tuning in to tonight's episode. Really appreciate you guys can go ahead and make it. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about something pretty cool. We're going to be doing a whole series analysis and review of Daniel Craig's portrayal of 007, better known as James Bond. From his first four movies all the way leading up to his fifth movie, that's going from Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, and a new upcoming movie that's coming out in April, No Time to Die. And I had some time to watch the entire series and kind of, you know, get a feel of how I felt about the whole entire movie movie series from start to finish. And since we're already getting ready for this next movie coming out in April, I just figured let me just go ahead and watch it real quick. And I got some pretty cool ideas and opinions about all four of the movies separately. And uh, can't wait to go ahead and share it with you guys. But before we go ahead and get that done, I want to go ahead and get some house rules together. And if you haven't watched my last episode, which was a review on Shadow of Shadow in the Storm, Shadow of the Storm, I don't care, Shadow of the Storm, uh, which I did that on Tuesday, the first movie release of 2021, starring Chloe Chloe Grace Moretz. And I also have some other episodes, if you guys haven't looked that up. Uh, you can guys go ahead and check them out on Anchor, www.themidnightdrop.com, Spotify, Google Podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, and soon, YouTube. And uh, yeah, if you guys haven't checked out those last episodes, go ahead and check them out yourselves. Uh, as you guys know, we had a weekly drop of episodes that are going to be coming out this week. And this is the second episode of the week the third episode is going to come out on saturday regarding a criticism piece of the of basically the uh american political system which means a whole lot more now after what happened yesterday boy that's a fucking doozy i think i'll find some time to talk about that later down the road if i can uh but yeah i got that criticism piece coming out on saturday episode today and every sunday be on the lookout for new weekly drops regarding what's going to happen throughout the entire week but uh yeah that's about it again you can go ahead and check out this podcast at anchor my website www.themidnightdrop.com spotify itunes google Podcasts, soundcloud and soon to be youtube uh if you want to go ahead and send your comments concerns considerations criticisms any of that type of cool jazz you can go ahead and dm me at 615 underscore chill on instagram or you can email me at jordan at outlook.com go ahead and hit me up right there bring some new ideas about the podcast and let me know how you feel about it but let's go ahead and get into our review of 007 daniel craig movie series uh i'm gonna be real with you guys this is pretty cool thing that I did and this is the first of its kind on this podcast and I can't wait to go ahead and share it with you guys about how I felt and let's just start with an introduction of what is 007 what is that series 007 is a spy action series created by Ian Fleming that started out as a series of books that would later be adapted into a multi-billion dollar movie franchise now the movie series is considered one of the longest running movie series in film history being well known for its sleek style its witty humor sexy women and so much more the series started out with its most well-known leading portrayals with sean connery rest in peace because he died last year uh and it was followed up by george lazenby roger moore who i believe died around 2016 i believe 2016 2017 to 
Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, who's still going in hard in the movie game, and finally Daniel Craig, who we're talking about tonight. Daniel Craig is the most recent John James Bond portrayal to hit the screen with the last four movies. His upcoming and probably last film regarding some of the stuff that's been going on around him, uh, titled No Time to Die, is the fifth film to date for Daniel Craig. Uh, the reason why it's probably his last film is because there's a lot of drama regarding uh, his portrayal of James Bond. Nothing bad. A lot of people consider him as one of the best portrayals of James Bond. It's just that he has now gone to a point to where he doesn't want to do James Bond anymore. He wants to do other roles uh, because before James Bond, he was doing these really cool roles with gangster movies, drama films, thriller films. And uh, if he feels like that, doing the 007 series has really strayed him away from doing those types of movies, which I can't argue about that. And, and there's this whole different controversy that goes in continuating from this. But uh, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the actual series itself. And let's actually go on to talk about why did I watch this and how did I feel like before watching this entire series? Now, I'm going to be real with you. The only 007 movie I'd ever watched in its entirety, better yet, just halfway through, was Skyfall. That's right. I only watched fucking Skyfall. I never had the opportunity to watch any of the Daniel Craig films or even the old films from back in the day. New Year, new adventures then, right? Am I right? I figured I'd start actually watching these movies and doing this deep dive into the series. And I wanted to start with Daniel Craig's series since it's the most recent. Knowing that I could easily watch the first four movies in order and get caught up in two days made me feel pretty confident to take everything in and give you guys this pretty good analysis to how I feel about the series. So after watching it in a span of about five plus hours, around say five, five and a half, I can actually say that I'm really excited to talk about this with you guys and just really get into it. And again, the four movies, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall Inspector. Those are the first four movies of his series. Next one coming up was No Time to Die. And I went ahead and just already I already have a score in mind about these movies. I already know how I feel about them. I didn't watch these movies twice. I kind of went back on certain scenes just to kind of get a, a a good level of some of the opinions I had from because I didn't want to go ahead and bullshit. But here we go. I separated both. I separated four movies into sets of two. So you have the first set, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. And then the uh, next one is going to be Skyfall and Spectre. The reason why is because based on the time period that they were made, I consider like the first two kind of like a, a product of the middle to the late 2000s and Spectre and Skyfall to be a product of the you know, early to middle middle part of the 2010s. The reason why I say it is because the look and the picture quality, the cinematography, just the storylines, the action scenes, they really kind of deviate each other from showing like a pro they're a product of their time, to be real for you. They're a real product of their time because of how they were shot, how they were filmed and how they're showcased to the audience. And that's something I want to kind of go ahead and just talk about in this entire series so i separated both of them to kind of give you a good feel of like what what time period we're in like what series of movies talk about the time we're in regarding action movies and yeah we're gonna start off with casino royale and quantum of solace and i'll say this right now uh casino royale is the best out of the daniel craig movie series that's just a fact a lot of people say this. For me, it's a fact. It's one of the best 007 movies of all time. It's one of the best out of the Daniel Craig movie series. It may be possibly one of the best action movies of the 2000s because of how good it was. What you have here is a, is a 007 movie that was the start of something new. Because we are coming out of the funny, zany, uh, Pierce Brosnan 007 movies, which... I remember watching a couple of scenes of and what was more of us laughing more than just saying, oh, that's badass. And, uh, you know, fans had wanted our dark and grittier 007 series where we actually explored more of the secret Asian, the secret British Asian and, and just 
you know, not just the funny, again, the funny or the zany parts of the series, but more of just the dark, the gritty, the reckless, the suave, the straightforward, and the ruthless type of 007 we want to see. And that's what we got when it came to Casino Royale. And I'll go ahead and show out the plot. So the plot is basically James Bond is pitted with trying to get uh, this bad guy, Le Shafir. I think that's his name, Le Shafir. And he's trying to make sure he gets him in jail and brings him back to MI6 because he's trying to go ahead and still all, you know, take all this money and put it into, you know, this stock for like an airplane company. But then once he falls his plan, he then goes ahead and tries to win the money back. Le Shafir, he tries to win the money back by going to a gambling, like a gambling show or whatever. He tries to gamble all his man by like a, you know, by playing like a deck of cards, whatever like that poker, a big, big poker game. And 007 has to go over there, and that's like his big mission. And that's like a big part of the movie. Hence, you know, the title, Casino Royale. And it's more or less a three-act film where you have the first act. You're being introduced to the situation at hand. You're being introduced to characters. Uh, you're being introduced to villains, the environment, what type of place we're in, you know, the, you know, the problem at hand and it leading up to the actual like main event which is the second act the second act the main event being you know the whole poker game against Le Chiffre, James Bond and all these different rich guys including this one character played by Jeffrey Wright who's an American agent and then the third act is where you possibly get like the resolution the big twist at the end and then the continuation of Quantum of Solace. And I will say that the story that they made here was the start of something big. Because I will say, and I could be wrong on this, I, I, I can say that with this series, what they were trying to do was to make this continuous storyline that would last all the way up to no time to die so that it could be something cool that people could actually have a reason to care about the last couple of 007 movies. Because what you would usually get is that you would get these 007 movies. You can just watch whatever one you did. It didn't matter which one you started at. Say like if you said, say like if you wanted to get you wanted to get into the fandom and you could just start out at the Roger Moore series and not give a fuck about Sean Connery. Or if you wanted to go into these deep dive into a series of films, it didn't matter where you started. You just go ahead and win in whatever you felt like it. Unless there was a big emphasis on the story, there really wasn't nothing to be said. Um, so in the, in this 007 series, in this one, it's more of just like, okay, they're giving you a reason to keep to keep attention of the entire series because they're making this big plot about how Le Chiffre is not the biggest villain in this entire movie. The biggest villain is more or less this secret agency that we'll get into later down the road that presents a big plot. In a, it's a big plot device into the film and it's a roadblock for 007 and MI6 as they try to go ahead and get the bad guys. But again, we'll get into that a little bit later. Again, this movie set the stage as a dark and gritty 007 series where we see all of this cool stuff from Daniel Craig's portrayal of 007. And with him in this storyline, you see a lot of cool ass moments. The action scenes are phenomenal. It's like the first action scene you see where, and I'll say the very first one, where he's fighting someone in the bathroom. That is intense. That is actually intense. Even if you know 007 is going to win that, it really shows you that not everything is going to be easy for him. And it's just balls to the wall. And then you see the next one where it's a chase scene across, like, I think it's uh, Africa, I believe. And, you know, he's just going through all this incredible stuff where you see a 007 who's more athletic. He's more straightforward. He's more ruthless. He'll get to where he wants to get to. He, he's going to get what he wants. And at the end of the day, it shows that he's very reckless and he doesn't give a fuck. He really leaves a messy trail behind and it comes back to bite him in the ass sometimes when it comes to M, played by Judy Dench and the entire MI6. Um, I would say for the first act, we're really, again, it's an introduction and you really get, 
the whole layout of what 007 is and the entire character itself, including the villain, as it's like he's just kind of got us like he plays tough. He, he, he plays like he's a smart guy. But when he gets in trouble, he starts to get really nervous. And he's just like, I got to I got to come up with some shit. Uh, and I really appreciated it because it gave you detailed and context of what this character is all about by certain situations. And it also shows you that this movie is not all the time serious. Sometimes it's really funny. Like there's this one scene where he pretends he's the chauffeur of this hotel and this guy, this asshole just goes ahead and throws his keys. Like, go ahead and take my keys. Uh, go take my car and go park it. You muggle. And he's like, yes, sir. Sorry, sir. And he goes in there and he deliberately bumps his car to another car ruins it and then just smiles when he goes to security camps while he's trying to look for evidence and it's funny as hell because it's like it's not right at your face it's just very subtle and it's just funny and and it's not and it's not really looney tunes like or zany like the old movie it's more just like oh it's you know it's pretty cool it's something you would see in reality and i really like that um then you get like the co- you get the common like 007 tropes where like he seduces a woman to get information and he has a great time with it uh then you can like get that another nice chase scene at the airport which i thought was pretty cool because he's there trying to he's tracking his every move and he's trying everything he can to catch up to him and to stop him from doing this crazy stuff like blow up a plane and you're just sitting over here just like i want to see where this goes and just the end part where like he secretly finds a way to get the bomb on the guy's pants and has him explode that's funny, especially when you know he deliberately killed a man and he just smiles because he's just like, yeah, I totally fucked up your plan and I got your ass and someone you can't ever get me back from because you're dead, bitch. <laughs> and I really just thought that was hilarious. But then we get into the second act and the second act is something that I really appreciated because it's the main event, but also you, you're giving out more characters that set the stage and was it there's this other character that was really really cool and i'm gonna look her up because she's a major part in this series even though they don't use her very well and uh it really goes ahead and opens the door for a whole lot of cool stuff that you really wanted to see in 007 movies and that would be the love interest the j the 007 girl the james bond girl and it was vesper vesper lind Vesper Lind that was played by Evergreen. Was it Evergreen? Yeah, e- Evergreen in the 2006. Yeah, she was played by Evergreen, which, by the way, she did a really good job. Everybody does a really good job. Judy Dench, Daniel Craig, Evergreen. Uh, I think Les Shafir does an amazing job as well, whoever played him. And that was... No, no, that's not him. Jeffrey Wright did a, a cool job, too, even though I even have a big role. He was really cool. Matt, Matt's Mickelson. Matt's, he's always great. Matt's Mickelson is always great in, in his roles. He's awesome. Uh, Giancarlo Gianni as Reen Mathis. He, he's a big part. Yeah, everybody does a great job. But I'll go back to the plot. But the second part, you're introduced to, you know, to Vesper. And Vesper and 007 headed off not really too well in the beginning. But what they present to you is a, care, a, a, a bond woman who is not a typical bond woman she's somebody who puts herself together she is vulnerable to a lot of crazy situations she's not very you know (laughs) used to but she she goes ahead and tries to keep her shoulders together and she's still strong in herself and she's not going to give in to you know james bond's bullshit or his seductions you know in the beginning and i thought that was really cool and then you kind of it trickles in the whole story trickles into this one thing to where we're talking where we go into the poker game and we're talking about some of the things that you know makes james bond really cool is that even though we see him even though we see him as this really guy is this guy who's like really cool he has suave swag even and he he, he gets to the point Remember, this movie is supposed to show him in his early stages of being 007. This is his first big mission, and he's fucking up. So you see him fuck up. Like, even though he shows how smart he is and how he can go ahead and play his cards right, sometimes it doesn't work for his favor, and it gets fucked up. And it's really fucking funny. But it also shows you a whole lot, the human side, about how he's not perfect, and that he'll do anything he can to get what he wants. And 
he'll sometimes just get really agitated. And now it's kind of the things about him that needed to be changed that a lot of people just tell him straight up, hey, you got to fix this shit. And uh, you see some action scenes. You see one action scene. Well, really two, because it's still part of like the second act. You see two action scenes. One, it's against like Ugandan pirates, I believe. They were pretty cool. There's something really fucking funny. That I took this as a nitpick because I see it in movies a lot and I was just like, what the hell? And then you also had the second one, which was kind of like the interrogation scene. Um, and yeah, the interrogation scene, that was pretty fucking cool. That's when you knew you're, you're not only watching a great action film, you're just watching an overall great film. Where you're seeing 007 getting hit in the balls by a, a large piece of rope. By Le Shafir, and Le Shafir is going in and is just sweating from his forehead and just talking about, yo, just give me the password because he wins the poker game. And he's like, just give me the name, just give me the password, just I, I'll I'll let you go. I just need the money. And he's just like, go ahead and hit me my balls a little bit to the right because I want the whole world to know that I that I died with you scratching my balls which was the most that was the coldest line that I heard in this entire series it was awesome and uh yeah man and and, and that and it's hard to say that that's the best scene in the film because there were other great scenes you had this one scene where like 007 is poison and he has to go ahead and go to a defibrillator at his car and he's talking to like other secret agents and he almost dies if it wasn't for Vesper helping him out. And it becomes this big thing where it's just, oh my God, like, you know, he's going to be fine. But it's just like, how's it going to go down? Like, the sequence of events, the details, it's all amazing. And you're just over here just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And there's just other great scenes where you're actually invested in the poker match. Like, you would think that in a poker match in this movie, you would think that, man, they got to do something crazy to make it feel like, you know, it's exciting, but no, they just go ahead and give you subtle, like subtle moments where it's just like, oh, they, you got to go ahead and get this car, this hand, you got to get this hand to win this game. And, and that's what keeps you interested in the entire movie. And that's what I, that's what I really appreciated that they didn't have to use so much action to keep you interested in the entire movie, even though it's considered an action film. And that's why I love the second part of this film. Now, the third part, the third part is something where I can honestly say, I really like it, but at the same time, if someone has a problem, you can go ahead and say you have a problem with it. And the third part is basically 007 doing something that we don't really see in a 007 movie. He goes ahead and signs his resignation to M and says he doesn't want to be James Bond. He doesn't want to be 007 anymore. He just wants to live his life out with Vesper because he realizes that Vesper is a great woman that he wants to live with the rest rest of his life with. And... Keep this in mind because I'm going to talk about this in a later movie in the series. The relationship, the character arcs, the chemistry with Vesper and 007 was fucking cool. It was it was really nice. It actually showed growth through small conversations and small actions. And you actually felt like it was really genuine. It wasn't something that came out of nowhere. It was actually genuine. And what happens to him, the biggest twist of her betraying him just so that she can go ahead and free her actual boyfriend is so fucking crazy you you know something's very much up but at the same time it's just like damn why they gotta do my man james bond like that so that's what happens and uh it leads into this whole big conspiracy about you know there's a you know there's a bigger there's a bigger shadow organization who, by the way, killed Les Shafir. That's how we got in from Act 2 to Act 3. And in the end of the movie, goes up with, um, you know, Vesper dying because she kills herself while being underwater. James Bond goes crazy. And then you get that la- those last couple scenes where it's just like he's talking to M and figures out what was going on. And, she was just, and she's basically asking him, 007, are you all right? He's like, I'm fine. What's the problem? The bitch is dead. And it's just like, God damn, like, this man is angry. This guy is actually angry because he got betrayed. He lost the love of his life. And he lost $120 million and basically failed his mission. He was about to give up everything for this woman that was manipulating him. And he doesn't know if he can trust anybody else. He forgot that one thing. And it's just like, damn, he really does feel like he's really reckless. And I really appreciated that. Because it showed him being angry. We really don't see 007 really being angry that much. 
in these movies and in this one it's just like no he's upset he's way beyond fucking upset he's infuriated and you really see that in the last scene where he goes ahead and shoots the guy who's part of the shadow organization mr white who's kind of important later on the movie but i don't like how he was used and he goes and it ends the movie with this classic line the name's bond james bond where you were trying to wait for that for the entire film but it's like nah and i gotta be honest man to wrap this whole part of the movie i thought casino royale was an amazing film that started the whole series right they did everything right you had a director a director martin campbell who did goldeneye who knew what he had to do and wanted to make this his own way and did an amazing 007 movie that to be honest a lot of people feel like it's the best 007 movie out there that's what a lot of people think uh you had cinematography and music by david arnold who did the music and phil mehukes i hope i don't i hope i said that right who did the cinematography that was obvious honestly amazing it was great music and cinematography that by the way i'm gonna say it right now it's very consistent with the entire series and this movie ran 144 minutes average runtime for a 007 movie and i felt very invested during the entire film and with that i gotta go ahead and said that quantum of solace was so fucking disappointing that i almost banged my head on a cutting board and try to put myself to sleep knowing that I saw something so disappointing in this movie that it was just so awful. Ladies and gentlemen, I got to go ahead and tell you right now, Quantum of Solace is the worst out of all four of these movies, out of the Daniel Craig series. You know why? It's because they made this during a writer's strike. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there was a writer's strike around 2007, 2008, around the time that the stock market, the you know, the housing market had crashed and people were losing jobs. And there were a bunch of these writers in Hollywood that were going out for strike because they weren't getting paid the amount of money they needed to get paid and they weren't getting the credit, the credit that they deserved. And this went really with the Quantum of Solace movie. And the reason why they kept going with it was because they wanted to cash in on a note on the notoriety and the success of Casino Royale, which, by the way, it's cool. You want to go ahead and cash in on that. But at the same time, if you're trying to catch in, cash in on a movie two years ago and you know that you're you're in a shitty situation right now please don't do it take your time we've learned that from so many movies but they didn't and they made a movie which was very much rushed which it shows that it was really rushed and uh yeah you get a movie directed by mark froster which was his first action film at the time he ended up doing world war z which you know by the way was cool but this is his first action film and it's just like god damn it and I mean, oh my gosh, where do I begin? The film picks up right after right after Casino Royale and this crazy nauseating car chase that it's supposed to be cool and it's supposed to be energetic and intense because there's so many things going on, but the action scene in this was awful in my opinion. And I gotta say that for a lot of the action scenes in this film, there was only about one or two that I thought was pretty cool, but the action scenes just leave you leave your mind dizzy and confused due to the many edits and cuts that they take. And that's a product of its time around this movie, around this era of movies where the most popular action movie was taken at the time and it did the same thing and people were excited about it so hollywood thought okay let's do that for every action film directors were like okay let's do that for every film that we do any action we do that let's just make it cuts because it's going to show that our characters are badass but no in this one it didn't work out well and it just let me left me super confused and my head started to hurt i had to actually grab some ibuprofen to to lessen the headache it was so embed it was so nauseating and i'll tell you this right now the the only things in this movie that was good was the music the cinematography and just the acting that's it i mean the acting you can't go really wrong with daniel craig does a 
you know, really good job doing his character as 007. The music is still really cool. The cinematography is really nice. If you actually research where they filmed these films and, and what they had to do to make everything look nice, it's still a 007 movie. It's still really good. The music and the cinematography and the acting are the three things that are always going to be consistent in this series of movies made by uh, portrayed by Daniel Craig. And that's just it. But when it comes to the story, let me tell you something. They picked it right back up and they expanded the whole plot of the secret society, which is called Quantum. Which, by the way, don't get used to the word Quantum. It doesn't give a fuck later on in the movies. They explore that in Mr. White. And there are huge parts in the movie where you just they just don't give a fuck. They just want to do their own movie where it's all about like... Yeah, there's this guy named Dominic Green, which, which by the way, is he's highly forgettable. And you're just over here just like, what else are we going to do, man? Like, he wants to go ahead and still, like, and he wants to go ahead and take some water from the water supply so he can use that and sell it to the highest bidder or some shit like that. Because Quantum is this big league of, like, ultra-rich and powerful people who want to take over the world through stocks and oil and the environment and shit like that. Like... The concept is cool, but it's still like, I don't really care because it's not really that exciting how they do it. And they didn't implement it very well. Like, they didn't do really well with this. The story is severely lacking compared to Casino Royale. If you... If you're watching this movie back to back from Casino Royale to Quantum of Solace, you're going to see the differences. And again, it's from the direction of Mark Foster. He did not do a good job with this. Even the rewrites by Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig rewrites, you can clearly see, and he did a better job than what Mark Foster did. And it really shows. I mean, my God, this movie is 106 minutes. It's, it's shorter than any other Bond film you would get. And it's just like, God damn, they spent 200 to $230 million. Even though they made money in the box office, a lot of people said this is one of the most disappointing Bond films in the Daniel Craig series. And I got to be honest, it is definitely true. Oh, my God. And if there's anything else to talk about it, um, I mean, I want to give you another action scene that was confusing. The elevator scene. That one where he just elbows a bunch of people and you really don't see the intensity of it. You're just seeing him just elbow people, leave the elevator and be like, okay, we got to go stop Dominic Green and this Hispanic henchman because this guy is totally fucking crazy. Oh, fuck. And the, the Bond women are, are not even that interesting as well. The, the woman that plays in this film, and I'll go back to her, go back to it and try to see who she's played by. Uh, Camille Montes. Who's, play, who's pe- played by Olga Kurilenko. Yeah, she plays. she's played by Olga Kurilenko. And I, I really wasn't interested in her character, her story at all. I just felt like it was whatever. It's whatever, dude. And she play, she's, she's in like Bolivian intelligence. And it's just like you, you, you want her to, to actually care. But it's like, no, you don't. You don't care. And the sad thing is, is that. She doesn't really have sex with James Bond. They're kind of just cool. But at the same time, it's just like, could we get someone better? And I think that's what they're trying to do with No Time to Die with the black woman in there. And, uh, yeah, man. Oh, fuck. And then they had another woman that James Bond ends up having sex with. And I just felt like, really? You can't do that in the Me Too era. Better known as 2021. You can't do that in this era anymore. You can't do that at all. And I'll get in more into that because in Skyfall, I had a real problem with what they did, including Inspector. But uh, yeah, if there's anything else to, to complain about this film, besides its villains, besides its plot, besides its inconsistencies and the action scenes, I mean, the other thing I really just didn't like was some of the logic. I felt like some of the logic was bad in this film. Like, for example, how they were able to, like, get out of a burning building and when everything was all hope was lost. And also for the fact that I hated the CGI in this film. The CGI was so blatant blatant, and I just felt like they used it in scenes that they didn't need to use it for. They could have just been practical, but they didn't. They wanted to showcase, hey, we got CG in a 007 film. Let's go ahead and fucking use it because it's really cool. While as in the last film, it was like, it really wasn't apparent at all. So, whatever. But yeah, man. I mean, when you look at that era of 007 movies in the Daniel Craig series, Casino Royale is considered one of the best. But it's followed up by a very disappointing movie in Quantum of Solace. It's just, ooh. And I felt like Quantum of Solace 
echoed into this entire series to where it's just like, yeah, this series could have been a whole lot better if Quantum of Solace was done a whole lot better. If they wouldn't have done it during a writer's strike and if they wouldn't have done it uh, with this director, it could have been so much better. But I digress. And we got to go ahead and talk about Skyfall, the next two movies, Skyfall and Spectre. And remember, think, know a bit, notice there's a gap in between Quantum of Solace and Skyfall from 2008 to 2012. You're, li- you're literally given a four-year gap while it's just like, you know, you were thinking that you're going to get these movies every two years. But no, it's a four-year gap. And Skyfall was very much hyped up because... It was around this time where like 007, the 007 franchise was having like their anniversary. And I'll go ahead and check out what that anniversary was. So I can go ahead and try to give you guys accurate information because I don't want to bullshit. It was like the 23rd. It was like the 23rd uh, 007 film. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Huh. Yeah, it's not it's not a big thing. I thought it was. Because they were making it a big deal. The movie was a big deal because it was like a big anniversary date. And it was just considered like a great film. Like it would it won so many awards. The music, the, the theme song for it, Skyfall, played by Adele, is amazing. It won an Academy Award for best original music for a for a screenplay for a movie. And uh I, again, this is the first 007 movie I've ever watched, and like, but I only felt like a little bit of it. And I'll say this for right now: Skyfall felt like a standalone film in the 007 series, rather than a movie that was connected by Casino Royale and Quantum of Sol- Solace. In the terms of which, like, it follows like the storyline that's that's actually going on. You get like subtle hints, but really, it it goes into its own thing, and it starts off with this much better action sequence. With him and this new character, who we later find out is is Money Penny against like this assassin who has like this hard drive, and you're given the whole and you know the whole setting that like it's been years since the events of Quantum of Solace. You know, 007 has been in this for years now, and then the biggest thing that people are going crazy about was 007 actually died. He actually got shot, and he was presumed dead for so many years. So it it begins with that, but then later down in the film, Skyfall actually explores the main character James Bond in a way we really not never really got to see him in Bond films. It explains, it explores the idea that he has gotten old, like like you know, always like with time. Obviously, you get older, you start to get weaker, you don't become as you know, as smooth, you don't become as accurate as you used to be. And you see that a lot. Mentally, you're not all the way that together because you've seen so many things. Uh, You've been through so many experiences that it changes you and you're not the same like you was in the beginning. And there's a clear contrast of the young 007 from Casino Royale and the older one that we see here in Skyfall. And I really appreciated that. And that's what I really liked the movie the most, that we explored something that we never really got to see in 007 films. Like, it's a big take on this film because nobody really thought that you can do this. But in the modern era, around 2012, people wanted something new, something fresh. And that's what we got from Skyfall. And something else that I appreciated was the focus on Judi Dench's character, M, which I thought was really nice. I mean, to be honest with you, we explored this whole idea of how M... The double O, the double O agency, and you know the whole idea of having super spies is just not this. It's outdated. It's not cool. You know we have the the power of technology and also the power of actually like, you know, governments and stuff like that. Not to say that governments have just been initiated, but like governments have more power with the internet, and there are more international affairs in order. So it's like, why do we need a double O agency that's just going to cause us more harm to good and it's super outdated that we have a, a mentally, you know, unstable double O seven out there? 
in which, by the way, he definitely is mentally unstable because there's a series of scenes where he goes through a mental, physical, and emotional test, and all of them show like he's failed and he's unfit to go there and he shouldn't even be 007 anymore. But you continue to see him just try to get through all of this stuff, and you do see him kind of like shatter a bit. It's not him, like he struggles a bit, but at the same time, he still is the same old 007. And with this movie, you also get an introduction of new characters. You get your, you get the new, uh, I guess the prime minister's help, which by the way, let me go ahead and look real quick. Uh, yeah, you get this new character named Gareth Mallory, the chairman of the intelligence and security committee of parliament and a former SS, SAS officer who I thought is really good addition to this, to this movie. I thought it was really, really cool. And then you also get new characters of new versions of Money Penny and Q, which I thought were really nice because it shows you the change of times of how the older movies, Q was this older guy who was very intelligent in technology and supplied 007 with the latest and greatest technology. In this version of Q, we get the same guy, but he's kind of like what you see in the new world, where it's kind of like you see younger people who are much smarter, who who can obtain so many more things, and they're just they have more sass, more wittiness, and it's it's pretty cool from this. Uh, and by the way, Q is stands for is short for quartermaster, and I thought it was really nice. But uh, again, throughout this movie, the music and the cinematography was amazing. I thought it was awesome. I thought what they what they did here was really cool. But the thing is, I think Skyfall is the best of the entire series because this is when you see a big jump between cinematography and music from 2006-2008 to 2012 and then onward with Spectre in 2016 because I felt like that you know, with the use of the new cameras they had, which by the way they used red and red cameras and Ari Alexa characters uh cameras oh god uh I, I really felt like it captured more of the essence of the 007 films and really just shined in the big screen with also that really dope ass dolby audio that really just gave you the great experience greatest experience you can get from a 007 series if you watch this in theaters and um yeah man I can say that again, the music and the cinematography is not only consistent, but it's 10 times greater than it was in all the other movies in this series. But uh, once you get once you go on from there, I think the villain of this whole entire movie, who's played by Javier Bardem, uh, I thought he was cool. I thought it was really nice, but I didn't think he's the greatest Bond villain ever. Like, I still got to go ahead and watch other Bond movies to go ahead and get that figured out. But I thought he was really good. And I guess my favorite scene in this entire movie was the whole scene where he's like walking from like his own interest all the way up to double to 007. And he's talking about this story about like how they him and his mom had captured the rats and then the rats started eating each other. And then it was just like two rats left. What are you going to do? I thought that was a masterful scene of just not only camera work, but also just dialogue and just an introduction to your villain that like he's saying, yeah, I'm a smart guy. I know what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm kind of dark, I'm morbid, and I get stuff done what I want it done, and I'm straightforward and honest with you. And the whole thing about it is that he's going ahead and getting his way by stealing technology. As you know, he's, he gets the hard drive from the assassin, and he uses that to get all of the names of the agents of MI6 and also every intelligence agency in the world. And he uses the power of technology and the internet and hacking to get what he wants. And I thought that was really cool. That was really something that I really like how they implemented because it's not only something they don't have to fight against people who want to take the environment like other 007 films, but they're now fighting against hackers and terrorists that use the power of the Internet to get what they want. And I thought that was really nice. Cybersecurity, it's this big thing now. I was like, that's dope. That's really nice. And I'm praising this movie for a lot. But the things that I really didn't like was this one thing I didn't like, which was the seducing part of this woman and also the last act. I'll go ahead and say this about the sex scene. I did not like the shower scene. The shower scene was very uncomfortable. The fact that he has sex with a woman who has obviously told him straightforward. She's been in sex trafficking and she was sold as a slave and you have sex with her in the shower. 
when she doesn't even know. That is that again, like the last movie, it doesn't work in the Me Too era and it caught some flack and it was really, really weird. Like, how can you actually let that happen? Like, come on, dude. Really? Really? But I digress. The, the other thing I didn't like was that I didn't like the entire thing with the, you know, I wasn't a big fan of the last act. I felt like it was a little anticlimactic. I mean, you can call me wrong, but it's my opinion. I mean, I felt like the, the, the end part of this movie was more like Home Alone than any a 007 film. Like it had some, you know, it had some cool scenes here and there, but I felt like the end was just a whole big Home Alone sequence. I, and they also had a missed opportunity with talking more about James Bond's childhood. Like, they have some subtle hints about it, like subtle things about, like, uh, oh, his parents died from a skiing trip and all this shit happened. But they don't really explore it. And the title of the film is the is the name of his childhood home. And you don't really talk about it. And plus, they don't, don't do anything with his childhood friend. Like, it kind of pissed me off a little bit. I was like, damn, that was a missed opportunity. But nah, man, I mean, to wrap it all up for Skyfall, I mean, I thought Skyfall was a great film, and I think it did a really good job of being a return to form of the 007 series for Daniel Craig, and explored a lot of the humanities of, of James Bond, the just the whole meaning of what the 00 agency is, and just M being this integral character for James Bond. If, if, if she wasn't there, we wouldn't be getting the James Bond we have know and love. And just seeing her die, it was, man, that sucked. It really did. Yeah, man. Uh, that, that's that's honestly how I feel about the entire film. Oh, and then also, there's also this thing about how I didn't like some of the logic in there. And I feel like it's action film, but, like, the logic in here was, you know, kind of flawed about how, like, 007 just goes straight into a train after he's, like, getting, like, a pickup trip and shit like that. And, and nobody reacts to that. Nobody's angry. Like, that's weird. <laughs> I thought that was weird. But that's it for Skyfall. And it's time to actually get into our fourth film. And I, again, oh, let me reiterate. Let me iterate this. I would love to go ahead and go into a super deep dive. But I only got so much time. But, like, with this fourth film, Spectre, I got to say, man, it wasn't as bad as Quantum of Solace. But it was not as good as Skyfall or even Casino Royale. It was not nearly as good as those two movies. It, it It's really just... Like, this movie was disappointing in its own way, but it wasn't that bad. And the only reason why I say it was disappointing was because it... It hyped you up through the trailers of how good this movie was. Is that, hey, like, you really like Skyfall. We're going to give you this awesome movie. Or it's actually going to reconnect the story from the last, the first two movies that we had this big story about. Like, and we're going to make it so fucking cool by making these subtle homages to to the last, the old 007 films. And we're going to do something really cool where it's dark and gritty. Yeah, you remember that? And it's just like, okay, that's great, but the execution, again, wasn't that good at all. And and I, and I forgot to bring this up with the Skyfall. But uh, this this movie and Skyfall was directed by Sam Mendes, who, by the way, he does a really good job of what he does. You know, Sam Mendes has done a lot of great work with uh, movies, I think, like 1917. And... Uh, you know, kind of seeing him take the take the reins of this, I thought that, okay, he's going to do the whole theater well. He's going to do the whole movie well and stuff like that. And I just felt like Spectre was like this inconsistent, fun action field slash bore fest slash traditional James Bond movie that you know, kind of disappointed me after you come off of Skyfall. And I'll say this right now. Again, consistently, the cinematography and the music were really good, including Daniel Craig. The only difference is that Daniel Craig, this is around, down, this is around the time Daniel Craig had said that I'm not really interested in doing 007 movies anymore. Like, this is the part where he said, like, I would literally cut myself and, and put shards of glass inside whatever than rather do a number another James Bond film and that meant a lot and you can kind of see him just not feeling it anymore in a couple of scenes but this movie was just it, it goes back 
to the whole storyline that Quantum of Solace had fucked up. And what I hate is that the people who made this movie wanted you to pretend like they knew what they were doing with this big storyline with this shadow organization and just bringing new characters back in like they knew what they were doing i don't think they knew what the fuck they were doing they just remembered that they had to get back to a storyline and say let's go ahead and get with it they went ahead and treated skyfall like a standalone film so they can win the people's trust back and then they said okay let's get back to business and let's find a way to get this shit connected and you see that in like the opening credits where you see like the villain of Skyfall and Casino Royale and the love interest and it, it, it shows them they're all connected and this movie really shows. Um, when I say it also follows the tradition of, you know, a typical Bond film, you know, it's just kind of like predictable. It's really predictable. Like you already know what's going to happen, including some stuff where they add new. I just felt like, uh, and you know, I felt like the beginning action sequence was awesome when they're in Mexico City during the Day of the Dead. And I think in other scenes where, you know, Daniel Craig is having like a little car chase, including the fight against like the snowy mountain and then also like the end credit scene. I felt like they were cool, but at the same time, they could have been much better. Uh, the whole storyline about how you're exploring more of 007's life, just when he was a kid, you're uncovering the secrets of him when he was younger, and it connects to the whole villain that's played by Christopher Watts, who, by the way, is one of my favorite actors. Um, but in this movie, he wasn't that very good. It, it's just, it's just like, it's kind of false advertising. It's false advertising, really, to be honest with you. Um, there's so many things I can go off. But I want to go ahead and say one thing. Dave Bautista in this film was really good. Dave Bautista was really good in this film. He literally says nothing but one line, which was shit, <laughs> at the last fight scene. And I felt like he was literally he was literally a badass in this film. Like, to be honest with you, and I saw this from a comment section when I was seeing the fight on YouTube. This like one of the fight scenes literally shows you another version of Bane versus Batman from the Batman comics. That's what it felt like. You were literally seeing Bane versus Batman in a lot of these scenes. It really fucking showed, and it was really cool. And I loved him, and I wish they would have done more with him, but they didn't. They just had him to be there as like a rival agent, and that was about it. Um, I, they, But let's go back to things I didn't like. It's just, this movie was thoroughly average, but so average that it was disappointing. Because it, it goes into this and talks, tries to connect the storyline. And then it adds, adds in these story beats that I didn't really like at all. And the thing I hated the most was the forced love. Like the, what was it? Like the, like, like, what was it? Uh, what is it? <laughs> What's the word? It's like unsurprising yet uh, badly written love love connection between Mr. White's daughter and also 007 like I just felt like that was just really bad like you have them at first where it's just like they stand at odds or she gets really mad at him and he's trying to protect her and then one day after they they finish fighting Dave Bautista and they keep talking about how to handle a gun they immediately have sex I'm like really and then one moment where like 007 is getting trapped in this like little uh what was it like i call it like the the the, the ultimate dentist chair of death that's what i call it because it, it looked like that including how <laughs> including how christopher watts was using it i just felt like this was a fucking like the fact that she goes up to him and says i i love you that was so fucking badly written in the movie like why would you do that i just did not it did not impress me i was not convinced at all it was so unconvincing that's the word I was looking for. Unconvincing. Unfucking convincing. And that was Spectre. Just unfucking convincing from the beginning to middle to end. And the villain, again, Christopher Wallace, thoroughly average in this film. I didn't really hate him, but I didn't really like him. I'm like, he was cool. Some of the dialogue was cool, but he wasn't really, again, like this entire movie, he wasn't really convincing. He wasn't really that great. Um,. There's whole side story about how there's a character named uh, C. 
like agency about how he wants to rule the world through surveillance and security i'm like you're you're using what you used in the last movie skyfall 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 <laughs> no skyfall you're using what you did last time in skyfall and you're saying that okay the modern world is the next big thing you know the double o agency is outdated there's no use to them uh, it's just uh, and then you connect it you use the events of skyfall to connect why the double o agency is more useless and then you see this change of heart from Gareth Mallory's, uh, who is the new M, heart about the whole agency in 007. It's just like, well, damn. Uh, I thought C was cool. I thought C was a little compelling at times because it gives you like this kind of perspective of how we should, you know, govern the world and stuff like that. Because, you know, really people who are considered evil, they're not, they don't really see themselves as evil. They really see themselves as the greater good. And I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, man, it's. I mean, I've had to go on in because I don't want to spend too much time on this movie. Spectre was just, just very unconvincing, thoroughly average, which made it really disappointing, and I didn't really like it. It just wasn't, it just wasn't it, my guy. It it definitely wasn't it. And there's so many ways how they were trying to make this a traditional Bond film. The ending I didn't really like, and yeah, man. I, I, no, 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 no. And they tried to make callbacks from the last movies, and I was like, you can't do that. By the way, this movie kind of cemented how forgettable Dominic Green from Quantum of Solace was because no one gave a fuck about him. No one gave a fuck about him. It's crazy, man. But yeah, I mean, if I had to wrap all of this stuff up, because we're about to close into an hour, if I had to wrap it all up, the Daniel Craig 007 series. It's a good series. It's something I would rewatch, like all four movies, no matter how much I hate Quantum of Solace, no matter how disappointed I was in Spectre. I, I would watch these four movies again because consistently the music and the look of the films are awesome. The acting is good. It's sometimes great at times. And how certain characters are utilized is pretty nice. I think that when you start off from Casino Royale and then you go on to Skyfall, I think you're going to get you some great movies. And I think when you put all this stuff together, it's not the worst thing in the world because I've seen worse storylines put together, like the DCEU. But I feel like with a little bit more work and practice and probably some things they should have never done in the beginning... I think that we could have ended up something with a masterpiece. And I think they're going to try to tie this up together with no time to die and see what happens because it's their last hurrah with Daniel Craig. But, I mean, at, at the end of the day, I mean, you get what you get. And I think this series does provide a lot of fun if you're a big action movie fan. And I think it's cool. I think it's good to, like, look back at these movies and do a deep dive and kind of compare them and see... What can we take away from these films and what can we learn going forward when making good 007 films? And I think this whole take on a dark and grittier style of James Bond films, I still think it's noteworthy. It's a good risk to take and they did it well in some movies. Some parts they need to do a whole lot better on. But that's what you get when you get different act directors and different people writing this movie. That That's what you get because that, that's where we get from. Just directors, actors, and writers just doing their own things and running with it oh fuck but yeah man if i had to give my final scores casino royale i give it and i might i might go ahead and give it like a nine and a half out of ten maybe a 9.8 out of ten i'm, I'm gonna go with 9.8 out of ten quantum of solace is a five out of ten that's the final score for that, that movie skyfall is gonna be an eight out of ten and inspector is gonna be a six and a half out of ten you heard it here first 9.8 out of ten 5 out of 10 for Quantum of Solace. Uh, Skyfall, 8 out of 10. Inspector, 6.5 out of 10. These movies, like, you put them all together, you get an average about a 7.1. So you're passing, goddammit. You're passing with a 7 out of 10. And it works out well, so it's just, yeah, there you go. I can't wait to see No Time to Die on HBO Max because I want to see what they're going to do with it. I wish I could see this in the theater, but you know, COVID-19. But yeah, man, that's a whole series analysis, and I'm glad you guys can go ahead and stick, stick it with, stick it to the man, whatever I was gonna say. I'm glad you can stick it with me. What the fuck am I saying? I'm glad you guys can stay with me to watch this whole entire series. I am sorry, it is so fucking tiring. I'm tiring. No more podcast episodes. 
towards midnight. I need my sleep. But yeah, I'm glad you guys can go ahead and uh, stick with me with this entire movie series on the Daniel Craig 007 series. I hope you guys had a great time. Stay tuned on Saturday's episode on the criticisms regarding the American political system. And we'll go on forward with next week's set of episodes of movie reviews, uh, TV shows, criticisms, book discussions, all that stuff. Uh, thanks for what? Thanks for listening. You can go ahead and listen at Anchor www.themidnightdrop.com, uh, Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, iTunes, and SoundCloud. You can also go ahead and send your comments, concerns, considerations, criticisms, all that type of stuff at six one five underscore chill, and also at Jordan Cameron at Outlook.com. Go ahead and send him all of your nice little comments and statements you want to send me. But that is it guys. Thanks so much for listening in. I'm your host Jordan. Thanks for listening to the Midnight Drop. It's always been a pleasure. You guys go ahead and stay safe, stay blessed, and stay alright. Alright.